Stampede. Garner is at number 145, recorded 626, 2022. You'd think the American public would wise up. That old American adage saying, fool me once, shame on me. Fool on me twice, and shame on you, would still work, but it doesn't. It's more like, fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice, and it begins to feel good. The people who have power in this country are masters of deception. They can convince you being made a fool of 
is enjoyable. Just turn into a buffoon, and you'll love the life you're leading. But maybe it's more than being just made a fool of. No, it's more like being made into a tool. The people with power aren't just laughing at how easy it is to make you do what they want. They're making you into an instrument to keep them in power. If you think the people in this country elect their representatives, their senators, you're wrong. We don't even elect the President of the United States. Something else does. It's called money. With enough money, the public is besieged with a barrage of messages subliminally designed to attack an opponent's character. The real issues that confront the electorate aren't addressed. And even if they're touched upon in a campaign, when a candidate gets to Congress or the White House, he or she must vote for laws that have nothing to do with their promises. Take, for example, someone like Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House, who's been in Congress for over 40 years. She comes to power by a process called machine politics. Her father was the mayor of Baltimore, a congressman. She, in effect, inherited her seat through a process of handing out government jobs to assure she would be reelected. But more than that, she openly professes strong religious beliefs, being a Catholic. She appeals to her Catholic constituents, saying, I'm a Catholic, and so many will vote for her on that basis. It's called identity politics. But when it comes to voting on issues like women's rights for abortion— she doesn't vote as a Catholic. She doesn't vote on issues that are practiced by the Catholic Church.
Where did we go wrong? Well, I'd be mistaken if I tried to enumerate all the wrong things we've done in this country. But there are large issues that actually make us perceived as a threat to the rest of the world. Many countries no longer view the United States as the means of securing the well-being in the world. Instead, our country is now viewed as a threat to safety in international affairs. And why do I say that? Well, the United States has the largest standing military force in the world. In 1939, Prior to our entering into World War II, we had a standing military force of 175,000 people. In 2020, the U.S. Army stood at 481,000, our Navy 341,000, our National Guard 316,000. Our Air Force, 329,000. And that doesn't begin to count the various reserve units for the different branches of our military and our Marine Corps. There is no other government in the world that comes close to what we now spend in our government's budget for defense. And the rest of the world may actually perceive that as a threat and not as a deterrence to security. Other countries might actually feel the need to counter what we've become to confront America's attempts to impose its will on the world. Surprisingly, after 20 years of attempting at using our military to build Afghanistan, we were dealt a humiliating defeat and let me say this, the rest of the world took notice of that. With all of our strength, we may actually be considered the social pariah of the world. And if you think the social domestic issues that are present in America today, the daily mass killings, our government's debt, the drop in educational standards, the attempts at making everyone the same, you have the ingredients of a major restructuring in this country. And other countries may demand America step down as a global leader. That's what's been happening. And it's been clear to fellow Americans that something is wrong. And we need to change our priorities.
This is a violent country. It has a culture of violence, and it's projected on our foreign international relations. When you have the largest standing army in the world, that makes a lot of people nervous. In 2017, President Trump dropped our military's most powerful conventional bomb, the GBU-43, on a mountain near the Afghan-Pakistan border. Whether the mountain still exists is difficult to determine. Little to no reports of its destruction have been released, except to say it was intended to kill ISIS militants residing in a complex of caves and tunnels. That's the kind of thinking that makes people wonder about America's mental stability. We like to say we're a peace-loving people, and I'd be willing to bet a lot of foreign countries believe we're anything but peace-loving. If you look at the daily casualty numbers of people being killed in this country, you'd have to ask yourself, are we living in the midst of a war? And if you're asking that question, what do you think people outside of the United States are thinking? This is symptomatic of a societal illness. And don't let anyone try to convince you we're living in the greatest nation on earth with our daily number of murders. It's Halloween night every night on the streets and in the homes in America, inhabited by less-than-peace-loving people. It's more like the tricks are killings, and the treats are just grotesque injuries. We've become people who aren't exceptional, unless we have over 44 murders each day in this country. And that works out to about 16,000 people each year. That's an actual statistic. And it says we aren't a content people. No, we've built something that's a culture of violence. And you know what? Some people would say we're a great people. But we aren't. We're something else.
I don't want to be accused of running down this country. I just need to call things as they are. And if things looked like we were headed to some shining city on a hill, like what Ronald Reagan promised, well, then I'd be happy to report that. But I can't escape the facts. We aren't headed toward some shining city. In truth, we've got a problem with homeless people, drug addicts, or mentally ill individuals living on the streets of most of our major cities. The truth of the matter is people who have resources are leaving cities like New York, Chicago, Los Angeles, or San Francisco. Urban life is making people vulnerable to all sorts of unpleasant things. If I enumerated all of the inconveniences of living in a big city, you'd have to wonder why people still live in them. Hostility, raw and unprovoked, is one of the reasons. However, I confess I recently saw a news report of a taxicab that went out of control, smashing into a storefront in New York City. Two women were trapped and severely injured underneath the vehicle. And a large crowd gathered to lift the cab and extract them, perhaps saving their lives. Reported news highlighted the heroic efforts of the crowd to lift the cab, and rightfully so. We need more of that. But why this tragedy ever occurred at all is what I see. Was this the result of a mistake, or did the driver intentionally cause this painful event? Once in Las Vegas, I was standing outside a 7-Eleven store when a car came speeding out of nowhere and smashed into the front of the 7-Eleven, nearly injuring the cashier inside. I couldn't help thinking, somewhere in 7-Eleven's corporate office, an employee would see a report of their storefront smashed by a car and say, that's the price of doing business. Well, you know what? I think that's too costly. Things have gotten too costly in lots of ways in this country. That's right. The American experience is exceptional. But 
that doesn't necessarily make it healthy. We may be killing people at a rate of 16,000 annually in this country. But putting that aside, the life expectancy has gone down in America. You'd think with all the technological advances we've made in the last 50 years, we as a people would be living longer. The average life expectancy at birth in this country of men and women is 77.3 years. That's down 1.5 years from 2019. According to the CDC, it's the largest decline since World War II. America's health has been decreasing compared to other industrialized countries ever since 1998, and has continued to present day. From 1999 to 2019, 770,000 Americans have died from drug overdoses. In 1987, we ranked 11th in the world for life longevity. By 2007, we were 42nd. Obesity rates have more than doubled in the last 30 years and are the highest in the industrialized world. The U.S. also has one of the highest suicide rates in the world. So don't tell your neighbor you aren't going to fly the colors on the 4th of July, and they shouldn't as well. We may have been a great nation at one time in our past, but there's one thing I will say. This country has some beautiful places that have nothing to do with who we are as a people. It's our natural world. And no matter how our political leaders deceive us into how great we are, no matter the false profits of wealth found on Wall Street, our mental illnesses, or no matter our government's debt, or how insecure our safety, the land will endure after we've gone. We sold what was important to our well-being, and that's the true tragedy of our lives. We were connected to something beautiful, and we turned our backs on it for a pocket full of change. That's our sorrow. This week on Garner Isn't, you first heard two compositions composed by James Horner, Hector's Death, from the movie Troy, then Playing a Game of Go, and then Kaleidoscope of Mathematics, from the movie A Beautiful Mind. 
followed by Bernard Herrmann's The 44 Magnum is a Monster, from the movie Taxi Driver. Then, another James Horner composition, a short cut from the movie Humanoids from the Deep, The Final Confrontation. And finally, from the movie Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Angel Band, by the Stanley Brothers. Stampede, written and performed by Edward Garner in Morro Bay and Paso Robles, California.